everyone. Welcome to our podcast, the Spread the Love podcast. My name is Julieta Silva, and we are here with the two other hosts. Hi, I'm Kirsten Rawls. I'm Paris Mitchell. And we are leaders of a youth-led organization called Spread the Love, where we create encouraging letters, notes, and videos for children with special needs to read and enjoy. So today we'll be interviewing Amanda, a parent who received some letters from our team. So, Amanda, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Hi, my name is Amanda Daray, and I'm a school teacher. I'm an eighth grade school teacher. I teach reading and writing at a small Christian school. And my son's name is Olujimi Daray, and he is my only child to love my life. And a little bit about our family is we live in South Florida. Of course, it's always hot, it's amazing. Um, and we love it here. I'm actually from South Carolina and I love both places. And also besides being a school teacher, I am a special needs mama and it was something that I didn't expect, but it did happen. And I'm on this journey for my son is two years, almost three years old in October. Time is flying by, but God is really amazing because I'm learning a lot of different things and a lot of new people. And we're just on this, this journey of life to have the best life, not only for my family, but also for my son to get everything that is awarded to him. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so interesting. You're from Florida. I just moved to Florida like two weeks ago from New oh, York. Wow. So it's definitely been hotter. I can tell you that. <laughs> yes, yes, um, it is. Yes. Um, so what were um what were your child's reactions to opening the letters we sent the, to them? Well, it's more so my reaction because yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't talk or he um doesn't really respond a lot. I did read and I thought they were so amazing. Um, it was thoughtful. They asked about his music. And one thing that I've learned, especially is that treating your children like they're normal. And so the letters were talking to him like he was going to respond and said, I love this music. I love this. And he didn't, he wasn't responding, but I can see his eyes moving. That's a part of communication. And I just read him the letters and it was just so sweet to genuinely hear people who just wanted to write some sweet notes to uh, my son. So I loved it when his name was like, oh, dear Olujimi. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. So, can you give an insight into Olujimi's um, diagnosis? Sure. So, Olujimi um, was born full term. He is our miracle baby. I lost two children before him. And when I did a lot of specialty treatments and they said he was going to be normal and he was just going to be a tiny baby, went in for delivery and things turned um, for the worst. He was in distress and I found that later he was not really breathing well while he was in my stomach. And when he came out, they said the NIC unit is on their way. And I was like, uh, what? NIC unit who? Uh, my child's normal. You don't need to go to the NIC unit. And he was not breathing and they gave him oxygen. And um, I thought I would see him the next day and he was going to be okay. He just a little oxygen and he's been over seven weeks or more in the NIC unit. Um, they were very surprised because they did not know what was wrong. Um, they were confused and when dogs are confused, that's very scary because you want answers and they're like, we don't know what's wrong. 
We have ran every diagnosis. We have ran every test. We're waiting back to see if it's a genetic thing, but we don't know what's wrong with your son. And thank God with a lot of praying and crying. And to be honest, I was at a point of like, let him go because I don't know what life he's going to have. And I know that's a little scary in, in speaking about that, but I do have to be honest. It was that moment and the doctors even said, we don't know what's going to happen. Like we're trying. He made it out and we found out mostly he has CP, an extreme part of CP because there's a variation of CP. You have people who you wouldn't even know um, are you know functioning a little harder from them to reach for something, but He's not speaking. He's not walking yet. I'm going to say yet. I am hoping one day he will do, do that. Um, but that is what, and he also has brain damage. And because of the brain damage, it unfortunately delays a lot of the different things. And we say delay because nobody really knows what the future holds. They will say he's not, he may not walk, he may not do this, but we don't really know. And so it's mostly I put it under CP and he also has brain damage and it was hard it is still hard it is not an easy thing to know that the child you thought you were going to have that was going to say mom I want cookies to you realizing trying to figure out what does he want he also is on a feeding tube which is something in his belly that is feeding him food so the journey is not even easier where you're like okay at least my child is maybe eating <laughs> um it's harder for them but now it's like okay it seems like nothing, but he is doing a lot. So it's a hard journey, but I do have an amazing partner, which is my husband. And he has he has a brighter light on the future of how life will be and say, love him for where he is right now. And if anything else happens, it's a surprise. If he eats a tablespoon of food, whoa, that's amazing. If he doesn't love him where he is, and I do believe that I'm thankful that I do have a partnership because I give it out to people doing it alone. It's even harder as a single parent, but as a single special needs parent, it's like you're dealing with two children and one. I must imagine that, like, it's great to have like someone there to support you. And especially like you said, though, it's such like a positive outlook in life. I remember like, um, like, I'm trying to just live in the moment recently. And I think that that's like what your mm -hmm. husband is saying. Just live in the moment and be grateful for what you have right now. Yes. Just let let us be surprised with what's, yeah. with what's next, right? It's true. Yes, Definitely. totally get that. And uh, just if you could uh, go over a little bit about what CP is and what it entails and basically what was like your reaction to like, uh, like having a kid with... Um, CP and like how's it been so far right now so the biggest thing is I realized I didn't really know anything about disability and I'm thankful for a bunch of young people because you definitely all look younger than me <laughs> so I'm thankful for you guys doing something to spread love to others awareness about different things doing what you can um so I didn't know what CP is it's cerebral palsy I had no clue I mean, you see children hard to walk or adults hard to walk and you you don't know what happened. You're like, okay, you move on. But when it hits you with a ton of bricks, then you're like, start researching. And one thing with cerebral palsy, it, it typically deals with brain damage. It can be in utero, it can be out. Um, back in the day, people used forceps and that way a lot of children had been affected. Nowadays, they do not use that. But 
loss of oxygen. And of course, your brain is the central location of everything in your body. So you do have different levels. You have one that are very mild and is more severe. He's on the more severe side. He was diagnosed. I mean, they knew something was wrong at the beginning, but they did not tell us what was wrong because they didn't have a name really. But they knew he was going to have developmental delays. That was evident. Um, even a child, any child in the NIC unit has some type of developmental delays because they're not with their mom or their caregiver holding them. So you're going to have a delay anyway. So they set me up in that part. And when I went to the doctor for his neuro appointment and for his um, like therapies, they were like, we might as well not wait until he's two or three to tell you he has CP. It's just going to tell you. And I just cried because I did not know what CP meant. So I thought, okay, he's going to die. Doctor, tell me how long does he have? And the doctor looked at me and was like, no, 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 no. It's not saying it's a death sentence. What I'm telling you is it just means his ability to move is not the same. And I was like, oh, okay. But he is on the extreme side. Not happy about that part, right? And so with that, um, it was very hard for me. It, I don't know about most moms I've been speaking to. I felt like a bad mom because it was hard. I just was like, what do I do? And um, I realized he needed therapy. He has physical therapy, has speech therapy, has occupational therapy. He came out seeing probably about seven different doctors um, when he was released to make sure to check on everything, his breathing and all of that. And along the way, doctors have dropped off that he no longer needs. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, but it is a hard journey because of him. Now he's bigger. He's almost three, like I said, trying to bathe him, um, trying to get him up the steps, trying to simple things that are cute when they're babies. You know, lifting an eight-pound baby. Well, he is 30-something pounds and he's two. <laughs> he's a big child. My husband's six foot one. So he's a tall child. So doing those things are hard. And being in public and, and, you know, when you first look at him, you don't think anything's wrong until you start talking to him and he's not paying you any attention. And you're like, okay, something is off. So those are the challenges that you deal with as they get older, things that they would have, you know, diapers are cute when they're little. But when they're older, <laughs> diapers are hard and complicated. So once he's growing out of this like, oh, he's cute stage, you get into he's older. How do I take care of him? How do I deal with this process of he's not a baby anymore? I still have to do everything for him. Um, that's, that's the part where I'm starting to go to. So it's a different phase in my life because now I have to get used to a, a different situation, but that's what CP is. It is just pretty much an, a muscles problem and issue of, and it does range from not talking, maybe not walking, having complications, breathing problems, feeding problems. There's a lot of things with it. And so it's just a really big range. So when somebody says CP, they may say, oh, I saw a child eating, they can eat. And then you realize not all people with CP are the same. It's one of the, I think my doctor said a broadest range of saying it because they're still researching it, but it is also very common. A lot of children actually have it and they have to realize you don't grow out of it. So when people are saying, well, my child has CP, no, you have CP for the rest of your life. It's just that you find things to help you adapt to the world that you live in. But it's not something I can give you medication and it is cure and it goes away now. Mm -hmm.
Wow, thank you so much for giving us such a broad over wide range overview of CP. I didn't know that it was really like the broadest um, kind of diagnosis, but it truly is. Wow. Okay, thank you so much, Mrs. Dare. I have another question for you. So basically, cerebral palsy is not pre-diagnosed, right? Um, most of the time not, unless they see something is wrong. Most of the time it, it is afterwards. Okay, so basically for in your situation, it was like a, a new, like a, a sudden thing immediately. Yeah. So how did you prepare yourself and what steps did you take to, to um, be ready to like face the, the situation? When preparation, because of course I didn't know until he later on, um, I am Christian, so I honestly had to pray and um, listen to a lot of inspirational music. I did do some research on CP and I will guide anybody of a diagnosis to be very careful about research because I researched so much that it scared me. And I was like, well, what life is my child going to have? But I researched to get a better understanding of what can I do to understand this. I started going on Instagram and posting. I started um, watching people who had children with CP. You do also have to be careful as well because comparison is not a good thing. So you may look, well, my, okay, my child's not doing this, but maybe he will, but why can't my child do this? Why can't he have this variation of CP or whatever? But those are the things that I did. I add, learned later on to ask the doctors a lot of questions. What can I do to enhance this? What does he need? Um, and they gave me some guidance. I would definitely say if you leave the hospital with a child that you know that is going to have delays, make sure you're, I think it's a social worker at the hospital, gives you a list of places like daycares, facilities, um, therapies that you can go to and get them in. Early prevention is a big thing. And he is in an early intervention program for um, zero to three years old, which has helped them because sometimes if you wait longer, um, your they say your brain process is a little bit different. So the first three years are very important. So we started trying to pour into him in that way or another. So that's how we deal with research and finding people in your community that has a similar situation or with disabilities that help you uh, cope with it. That sounds good. That sounds good. That's especially uh, important. Yeah, just like just researching, but also just remembering that like not everything that you research, especially like in the medical field, is going to be like mm -hmm. completely accurate to you. Yes. And like like you said, to not get scared, just like remember like, okay, this is what it is. This is what I have in my plate. But what can I do with it? You know. Yes. So just having that like as well, like like we said in the beginning, that, that like ship that that like action like you know yes. you know i agree because like even when i have a headache and i research it it's like you may have stage for cancer <laughs> yes it goes down a rabbit hole and yeah it's true totally yes. agree with that um we saw from your instagram that you're actually a teacher alongside with being a mother so how did you get started with teaching and how has it been really well as you can tell i like to talk 
<laughs> I am a talker, so if you cut me off, I am fine with it. <laughs> I, I will talk all day. So I knew my job had to deal with me speaking. I am the only child, and I knew I couldn't sit behind a desk. I'm a busybody. I like to move. And my mom was my greatest teacher. She put me to, they call it Sunday school, but I go to church on Saturday. So we had Sabbath school. She taught me. I used to teach my little animals. I thought I kind of wanted to be a doctor and realized I didn't like blood, even though I did not know there were other ranges of being a doctor. I just thought it was the surgeon. And so I started um, doing a teaching program in high school and then I went to college and I loved it. I love inspiring young people. I love um, talking to them, giving them knowledge, and I love them teaching me things as well. And then I um, moved to Bermuda, which is where I actually did my first teaching there for about five years. And then after that, my husband and I moved to Florida and I've been teaching eighth grade from the very beginning. I thought I would be a kindergarten teacher or a first grade teacher. And they said, no, you're going to be in middle school. And I absolutely love it. And they bring me so much joy. And over the journey of losing my two children and then having my son that I have now, my students have brought me so much joy. They allow me to forget my problems and they would just talk to me and I would just be going. So it helped me actually being a teacher or working because it took my mind off of what I was actually dealing with at home. And then I was able to talk to my students about children with disabilities or women who lose children. Cause you don't hear that until you have lost a child or you realize why did it take me so long to have a child? And you, I was at my, in my early twenties at the time. So I'm able to educate them in, in, a, in a minute way, but to let them know this is what happened with children with disabilities. This is what happens with this and they understand. So that's how I went into to teaching. I love it. I've been doing it for over 12 years now and I will not change it. This year was horrible, <laughs> but <laughs> this year doesn't count. No. No, no, no. For the rest of the years, I, I definitely thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so the other question, going back to, to, to you, to you exactly. So, what are some challenges that you face when trying to balance motherhood and teaching, especially with a children with CP? Um, one of the challenges is understanding I'm good enough. Um, if you are a mom or you're around moms, no matter what it is, you do not believe. Sometimes you believe you're the epitome of a hot mess that you are not good. You're like, why, what in the world? This child is not doing what this child is doing. And da, da, da. so you finding a way of knowing that God chose you to be that child's mother, adopted, whatever, God chose you to be that mother and that you're a good mother. You are trying. So that's something that I had to learn with the with um, balancing. Another thing that I had to learn with a balancing act is just leaving work at work and coming home and doing the best for my my son. And it is a hard balance because many a times one question I think on the list was asking, you know, what don't you say to somebody or different things? Um, you know, many people say quit your job. Most parents who are have children with disabilities, they quit their job and they stay home with their child. And there's nothing wrong with that. It is amazing. But if your mind cannot handle it, I would not accept that. I was thinking, okay, let me quit my job. But I would have, I've already gone crazy, not for real, but <laughs> I've gone crazy in my head at dealing with this whole situation with being a new mom and a child with a disability. If I stayed home 
I don't even know where I, I, in my mind space, where I would be. So for me, it would not have worked out. But then trying to find a place for him is a balance. So we do have an amazing place for our, our son is a facility for um, children with disabilities, but there are also children there who do not have any disabilities. And that worked out literally by the grace of God. I cried on the phone. I gave all of the reasons why they should not take my son. You would think like, why would I do that? I was listening. He cries all the time. He doesn't stop. He did it. And they're like, okay, all right, we'll take him. I was like, you sure? Because finding a daycare for a newborn is hard. He was about three months anyway. So they didn't have a list. They said, somebody just left. We can put him in. I said, no, 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 no. This is what is it. We're okay. We got him. So that's also a way that helps me with my balancing. Because if I did not find a place for him, then I would have had to quit my job. And living in South Florida, it is like living in New York. It is very expensive. And we do not have the same services as other places to get help financially for my child. We have pretty much no help from the government or anything like that. In Florida, it is a weird state and you do not get that. We got denied for every single thing. So I don't know how I would have been able to do it if it was just one person working and staying at home and my sanity. So that is one way that has helped my balance. He is in daycare until five o'clock. And then I'm able to work. And when I came home, I was tired and didn't want to do anything either. But when my mom came during the summer, she put me on a better schedule. Because I felt like, well, he's on schedule for feeding because he's G2 fed. But I didn't put a schedule in for playing with him. Because he doesn't play. So in my mind, I'm just like, well, this is a waste of time. But it's not a waste of time. And I'm learning that. So I schedule play. I schedule his bath time. I'm doing better. I wouldn't tell you. He was not getting bathed all the time. I shouldn't be telling people this, but it was happening because you're tired when you get home. You're like, whatever. So now that I'm on a better schedule, that has helped. And my child is in daycare. So that takes a lot of the grunt work out of it to help me balance. And then I try my best to find times to spend time with my husband as date night inside the house. So we can't always find a babysitter. So we stop making excuses this year. We're like, okay, when goes to bed, we'll do paint night at 8.30 at night. Or we'll make dinner at 9 or watch a movie while he is sleeping. Because I know that's important. And then another thing parents have told me, like, parents with disability, kids, they don't last together. They, they, they separate, they divorce. And I'm like, whoa, this is, I'm trying to this not to happen. And you shouldn't tell me this anyway. So that balance is a big thing because... Marriages fall apart, relationships are falling apart because it is a very stressful situation. And that's where I find balance between God, between daycare, between an amazing partner and trying to find balance has really helped in this journey with um, my, my, my little baby. Awesome. Um, so going back to the teaching as well, um, we know that COVID hit and that turned everyone's worlds upside down. Um, so how did you kind of deal with the transition? Did you do online school for your yes. kids? And how was that really transition for you? It was a hard transition, but when it happened the last semester of the school year, it was worse because none of us had the technology that we needed to do what we needed to do. So it's even more stressful. So as I went into this full school year, I knew a little bit more 
but my son was not in daycare till about October. So there were times I was holding my son in my hand and I teach at a very small school. So it, it's okay. I'm like, hey, you're holding your siblings in your hand and helping mommy and daddy out. Your teacher is holding her child because my child comes first. So I was like, if anybody has anything to say about it, they can come speak to me because we're doing the best we can, but I'm gonna continue to teach you. So I had my son in my hand. He threw up on me one time while I was teaching and I was still going there teaching. I said, oh, well, I clean this up when I'm done. So the balance was that <laughs> the balance was so stressful because of course the child was at home with me. And then um, posting things, I would wake up at four o'clock on Sunday morning for like three months. And I will post everything online for the week because that was the only way I found balance because my head after school was done, like most students, I turned my computer off and didn't want to see grading, didn't want to see Zoom. So I had to wake up at four in the morning and put things in the computer, grade as many papers. And then eventually we went in person and that was a little bit better on balancing because you're in a space of work. Um, and I was teaching kids in person and teaching kids online, which was hard. And then we got COVID at our school and then we shut down again. And then we got COVID at our school again. And then we shut down completely for the rest of the year. They came to a point I had one student in my class and everybody else was online. So that's stressful because I'm a social person and I want people to talk to me. And when I'm talking, cameras are not on. Um, they're not talking to you. You are just sitting there like, what? what in the world? They're not turning in work. So it was a lot more work on that part of, of it. It was good for me because I was home and I can eat lunch without interruption of a student and watch a TV show, but it was not the best <laughs> for most students because of the point that that social interaction was off and right the social interaction was off and it was also that i couldn't touch you know you know put my hand on the student like hey i want you to focus and do your work in class i couldn't do that so a lot of my students struggled because i wasn't there over them i see you're not doing the work you're not doing this they were playing games or watching tv which i understood it is hard to focus so it was a struggle. I am thankful. I am done with school. I turned in my keys last week. So I am very thankful that right this school year is wrapped up and most likely we will be in person next year. I pray because we could not go another year of at home. That it's not it's not for my students. Maybe other students, but it's not. But we made it through. We finished. My kids graduated. They're off to high school. So um, it's a success. <laughs> That's amazing. This year, I had my senior year. And the, wow, congrats. Yes, thank you. And like, I'm graduating next week. And it's just like, like you said, it was just like, I don't know, it was just a hot mess. Like, I don't what? know what to put it. Just like, uh, Paris also had her senior year as well, like online. So we were, so I think that she and I can just say that like, it was something else. <laughs> so, so yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you guys. They're such babies. Yeah. No, I'm still play. Congratulations <laughs> to you guys. I'm so proud. I love seeing young people. I clearly didn't even know what people's faces looked like. So I was like, I don't know who I'm getting. <laughs> but I congratulate you guys for doing something. Um, and I know sometimes it's hard to start things and you're like, it's not flowing or we're not getting the people we want. But just know you are definitely planting the seed where you need to plant the seed. Thank you. <laughs>
Okay, so Mrs. Adair, we saw, we see that you have an organization called the Elujimi Project. Um, can you describe the goals of the organization and things that you've accomplished so far? Well, I really started the project to sell the crafts and things that we're making to bring people joy and also help me on the financial spot of not getting any type of help from, you know, the government and anything like that because his, his tools that he used is really expensive. And so I started creating over the break, like bracelets to give to people around Christmas time. We donated to the NIC unit that he was born in. That's in, um, in December, which is when he came out of the NIC unit. He was born in October, he came out in December. And so we donated books. Um, we donated um, bracelets that I made for the virgin for the nurses and it did come out of my pocket I did not ask at that moment and everybody was mad that I did not ask for help but I was like I just wanted to just do something we gave them 25 bags to um the 25 parents that were in the NIC unit and I said this is something I want to continue on so even though I'm not a nonprofit and I am selling things for gain of profit for my son one day my goal is to not only deliver things around December for the NIC unit wherever I am if I moved but also I want to bring sunshine and happiness and awareness about what my child is going to and hopefully also be able to help other parents who do not get financial help and they have we have to understand yes we birthed these children we wanted these children but we thought they would be healthy and so we find that you don't get any government assistance because you may make too much but in reality you don't it hurts so I, I want to eventually, once we the revenue, I will pick families to start helping out to get something, even if it's just to buy diapers, because he will be in diapers for a very long time. And as you know, if you don't know, I'm having, you know, you don't know, but if you know, if you have younger siblings, diapers are very expensive. And so imagine having to buy diapers maybe for the rest of the child's life or for six or seven or eight years. And so that's that's my goal is to spread um spread sunshine and awareness and our theme is um what may be impossible for man is possible for god so i tell people to believe in the possible believe in the impossible because what may seem impossible my son was supposed to be dead pretty much he was supposed to constantly have seizures now he didn't open his eyes for several weeks he didn't cry he didn't make noise i didn't hear my son cry at for probably three or four weeks never heard a, a noise and to hear my son cry so much that I had to pray for him to stop crying so much, you have to believe in something that's impossible. And that's what I want people to know that just because the teacher may say something, just because your parents may some say something or the doctor may say something, because I believe in God, we don't know. And that's what doctors would tell you. Have you ever heard of a miracle? My doctor said, that is one thing we can't explain is a miracle. We can explain most things, but believe in a miracle. So, yes. That is great. That is great. Sorry to hear my dogs in the background. But... I'm surprised you didn't hear my son cry. So, I'm like, we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we're nearing the end. We have like six minutes left. I see. But we have one last question. So, no you did mention that since you live in Florida, that you don't really have access to a lot of like uh, resources. So, we just wanted to ask like you know like i'm pretty sure like like that that's basically why you started your project but like what other like resources or like comments do you have on on that 
and just, you know, yeah. Right. Quickly, I just pretty much believe that it does not matter how much money somebody makes or it doesn't matter where they are, especially when it comes to a child with disabilities. I believe that they should get the same funding um, because I feel the same thing with people on you know, welfare, anything else like that in a way. I believe there should be help. Um, I shouldn't have to be out of a bracket when I am middle class. That shouldn't be fair. I shouldn't have to quit my job to be able or sell everything that I have and have one car um, to be able to get wick or to be, that's a basic thing. I think every mama should get wig. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Babies are expensive. And the reality is, I should think that should happen. And so in Florida, I realized that a lot of the things they said disability or Medicaid and different services, we are not able to get. And even if we both quit our jobs because of our taxes, we would have to wait several a while before they even said that we were okay. You couldn't have a savings. You couldn't have, I'm like, well, what was I supposed to be living on the street for years before I got it? Pretty much. And so I am out there advocating that there are services giving, if your child has a diagnosis, I should get the service. I shouldn't have to be pretty much low income or fight the system and lie to be able to get something that is already out there for people with disabilities. Um, I found out I can't open an account for my child because when he turns 18 and they found out he has money in his account over a certain amount, he won't be able to get disability when he turns 18. Those are things you don't know, but as a parent, you want to put money in there because if something happens to us, he's taken care of. But I realized I cannot put anything in his name now, but when he turns 17, about to turn 18, I cannot do that because they will say that's income and he will lose any, he won't get any benefits. So there's a lot of different things you don't know when people spread. So that is the reason why I believe that um, they need to put more, more for people with disabilities and also people with disabilities who are adults. Mm -hmm. Because after his he's 20 something, whatever, he may not be on my insurance anymore and things are different. And they forget you have this disability for the rest of your life. You're still gonna need the therapies. It should not just stop at age 18. Yes. That is very, that's a very important discussion. So, so thank you. Thank you for sharing You're your welcome. perspective on that. So now we are getting to the end of the podcast. So please, Amanda, you can plug yourself in. Feel free to just put your Instagram here. Well, my name is Amanda Dare, and you can visit me on Instagram at the Amanda Dare, and it's spelled Dare, D-A-R-E. I also have a business that supports my journey with my son called the Olujimi Project. His name is O-L-U-J-I-M-I. Please um, continue to spread the love. Come visit my page. Talk to me if you have some insights on things that I can use to help this journey of encouraging words. We are all in this together. And just remember again, Luke 18, verse 20, believe in the impossible. Thank you so much for our podcast. And just a reminder that uh, to our listeners that if you would like to work with us, send us a DM to our Instagram and also remember to follow us. We are at spread the love with a period between the R and the E. So again, thank you so much and see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.